Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome into a brand new episode of The Blackout, a weekly look at the best teams and the biggest games in all of college football found on bellyupsports.com. I'm Thomas Black, your host, and this is the week, everybody. This is the week that we've been waiting on. After zero top 25 matchups last week, we've got some fun stuff in store here in week four of the college football season. In the early portion of the day, we've got number 11 Michigan at number 13 Wisconsin. A lot of people looking at this game to see if Shea Patterson and that Michigan offense can figure things out against a good defense that Wisconsin carries into this game. In the middle portion of the day, we've got number 8 Auburn at number 17 Texas A&M. Now the Aggies already have a loss when they went to Clemson, but you're looking at Auburn. Can the freshman quarterback do it again? They're undefeated. They went and beat Oregon in their first game of the season, but now they've got another test on the road, a true road game this time, and they've got to figure out whether they can go to Texas A&M and come away with a win to stay undefeated. And in the nightcap, we've got a top 10 matchup with number seven Notre Dame going between the hedges to face number three Georgia. In this one, the Fighting Irish are facing a much bigger test than they faced all of last year during the regular season. And I've been telling you since the beginning of the year how good this Georgia Bulldogs team is. And I expect we're going to see that when we see these two teams face off on Saturday night. Now, as we jump into this week's episode of the podcast, I'm going to tell you what we have coming up. Here in the first segment, get ready for some more blackmail. And in the second segment of the show today you get an opportunity to hear from Trent Smallwood from UGASports.com to talk about this matchup between Notre Dame and Georgia and just what you should expect from the Bulldogs and just what type of challenge they will face with Notre Dame coming to town. And as the podcast goes on, listen out for your opportunity to win some free merchandise from the Belly Up Sports shop. Make sure you pay close attention because this week I've got one special new item to tell you about in the Belly Up Sports shop. All right, now that I've previewed the episode for you, let's go ahead and jump into this week's blackmail. Yeah, this is Bubba from 8 Mile. I'm calling about your thoughts on Harbaugh and my Wolverine. Is this a make or break it year? Bubba, I must say you ask one of the most difficult questions in all of college football. There are so many different ways to look at this thing with Jim Harbaugh in Michigan. And I must say, at face value, it doesn't look great. Harbaugh's 40-14 and 14 overall, but then it's just downright ugly against the best teams in college football. 1-9 and nine against the top 10. And of course, against Ohio State, the dreaded, hated rival, Harbaugh is 0-4. It's just a mixed bag when it comes to Harbaugh. 
You know, he has three 10-win seasons in his first four years at Michigan. But the losses against the top teams have just piled up again and again. So on that side of things, I think it's a completely valid question. But anytime you look at a head coach, his successes, his failings, you've got to do a deeper dive than just strictly wins and losses. And based off what I've seen out of Ann Arbor, you know, I I think that Jim Harbaugh has an awful lot of support inside that athletic department, inside that fan base. The ex-Wolverine quarterback, now head coach, is recruiting well, and it sounds like to me that there is an extremely high level of support around that Michigan program. Reports are they're selling more season tickets than they ever have before. They're bringing in more money than they ever have before. You can credit that to boosters as well as the Big Ten Network. There's a lot of reasons for why there is some optimism surrounding this team. But some of the results on the football field have just been perplexing. You go back to last year, Michigan was 10-1 and as a favorite on the road at Ohio State, and they gave up what was it, 62 points, 62 to 39 was the final score, I think. Then they come into the 2019 season and they've got sky-high expectations again. You know, Shea Patterson's back at quarterback. Urban Meyer's gone at Ohio State. Uh, They're transitioning to a new quarterback. There's lots of reasons to think, hey, maybe this is the year for Michigan. But what have they done out of the gate? (laughs) They've been sloppy. Good gracious. They fumbled the ball eight times in their first two games. And of course, they just barely scraped by Army in overtime two weekends ago. And with that, I don't think you can look at this upcoming schedule that Michigan has and tend to think that this is going to be the breakout year for Harbaugh and the Wolverines. If you mix all that stuff together, frankly, I don't really know. I I tend to side with I don't think this is a make-or-break year for Harbaugh. You know, I think he has enough support behind him uh, that no matter what happens this season, I think he's back again. But it would be interesting to see What if uh, the sloppy play continues? What if Michigan doesn't live up to even, you know, average expectations for what Michigan could be? You know, what if they don't reach 10 wins again? And what if they somehow fall far short of that? That would be interesting to see what happens with Michigan and Harbaugh as we work our way toward the end of this season. So far, things have not been anywhere close to pretty. And I got to say, that schedule does not look all that inviting. With tough games at Wisconsin and Penn State, And then the home schedule of Iowa, Notre Dame, Michigan State, and Ohio State. I think you're probably looking at this Michigan team losing at least two games, maybe even three. If this team is sitting at the end of the year with two or three losses, I think you've got to say, heck, they're probably not anywhere close to a Big Ten championship. But is that enough, even if they bomb out and lose a bunch of games this year? Is that enough to get rid of Harbaugh? Maybe. But for now, I'll say that no matter what happens this year, I kind of tend to lean toward Michigan returning with Harbaugh again in 2020. Bubba, I hope that answers your question. And if you, like Bubba, want to get your call into the blackout, you can call Blackmail at 706-406-3566. That number is open 24-7, 365 for all your questions, comments, rants, raves, anything pertaining to college football. Call me anytime you want at 706-406-3566 and I'll do my very best to get all your blackmail here on the show. And now, like I teased earlier in the show, I've got a big announcement coming to you from BellyUpSports.com. Ever since the college football season started, when I joined Belly Up Sports, I've been telling you things that you can get out of the shop. Well, now there's more to tell you. 
This very week, some new t-shirt designs were placed into the Belly Up Sports Shop, and one of those is one for this podcast. That's right, the Blackout now has its very own t-shirt in the Belly Up Sports Shop. And this is a great opportunity for any of you who are faithful listeners of the Blackout. If you want to support the show, if you want to support BellyUpSports.com and everybody involved, you can go get one of those t-shirts. Of course, there's plenty of options to support the Blackout. You can subscribe to the show. You can listen to it on a weekly basis. You can tell your friends and family about it. Send it out to any college football fan you know. And then on top of that, if you really love the Blackout, you can jump on BellyUpSports.com and you can get your very own Blackout t-shirt. Now, as I head off to break, let me remind you, I've got Trent Smallwood, the recruiting analyst from UGASports.com, coming with me on the other side of the break to talk about Notre Dame and Georgia, the big matchup in the top 10 this Saturday. And you're going to want to have all of his insight as we head toward another Game of the Week pick on BellyUpSports.com, where you can enter a winner and a score prediction. If you get it right, you get a free t-shirt, one that you could select from the blackout from the Belly Up Sports shop. The only caveat being that if multiple people pick it right, then all the names are thrown into a hat, one is drawn, and they walk away with the free t-shirt from BellyUpSports.com. I'm Thomas Black, your host, and as I head off to break, let me remind you, jump on Twitter, give me a follow. That's another way you can support the show, at TB on the Blackout. All right, back here on the blackout for the first time this season, but a returner from last year, a recruiting analyst for UGASports.com. He is Trent Smallwood. Trent, welcome back to the show. How are you doing today? I'm doing good, man. Thank you for having me. Yeah, Trent, we really appreciate it. Now, I must tell you, as uh, I talked to you last season, this Georgia team, I seem to have some doubts about them, but you really uh, talked about how impressive this team was, and you know what? You've kind of turned my impression of this team going forward. Uh, On last week's show, I I called Georgia over the last three seasons in college football the third best team in college football, uh, right behind Alabama and Clemson. Uh, does that kind of fit where you see this program right now? Uh, or do you see other programs kind of notched ahead of them in college football? No, I think I think from a consistency standpoint, um, and talent alone, I would put I would group Georgia with those. And I mean, if you look back the last two years, Georgia's led Alabama, you know, I, I know they had, they've come up with a loss both games, but I think out of the hundred and twenty minutes they've played, they've led in like hundred and fourteen of them. So I'd say they're right there on that level with us two. Yeah, it's been very impressive what the Bulldogs have done. Now, they've got a massive game, a top-10 matchup with the Notre Dame Fighting Irish coming down this weekend. It is the first time that Notre Dame is making their way to Athens. So I cannot imagine what the environment is there right now. What What's it like? What's the fan base's temperature right now? And what's the anticipation building up to this weekend? Oh, it's, it's unreal around uh, Athens just Simply fact because Notre Dame's coming to town and and you know everybody's looking for a ticket. Um, I heard a number yesterday that there was likely going to be in between 150 and 175 thousand people in Athens. Just Ooh. you know the, the stadium only fits the 96, so uh, you're going to have 
60, 70,000 people out on the outside, you know, trying to get in or trying to find a way in or just simply just uh, taking in the environment of game day and, and all the, uh, just the, just the environment as a whole. Now, when we look at this Georgia team, that offensive line is very impressive. The running backs are so deep. There's so many different guys to go to. DeAndre Whiff is the workhorse of the group. Uh, but just tell us a little bit, you know, what is the, the dynamic with that backfield? And, and would you say a little bit about just uh, the diversity that they have with so many different backs that can contribute in so many different ways? Yeah, I think uh, this year more than any other, uh, you know, that in, in the past, Jim Chaney was the offense coordinator, and he he liked to use uh, a two back system. Um, you didn't really see much of a third back. You saw a little bit of DeAndre Swift his freshman year, but not as much as the uh, two featured backs. But this year, they've really uh, expanded that. Uh, James Coley, the new offense coordinator, um, he's finding ways to get the ball in in, in all of their hands. Uh, he's using James Cook, uh, who's a smaller type back. He's using him in a in a slot type role, running back role, kind of like Florida used to use Percy Harvin. He used a lot of end arounds, a lot of wide receiver screens. Um, they, you know, DeAndre Swift is kind of the feature guy, and uh, then you got Zamir White uh, coming off two ACL injuries, but he's looked very good the first couple weeks um, of the season. Uh, he's more of a power type guy, but um, you know he's got some wiggle to him. He, he's uh, he's got some looseness to him, but. He's more of the bigger uh, power type guy. And then, of course, you got um, Brian Herrian, who's been there for a couple years. Uh, he's a senior. He's kind of waited his turn. And um, he's probably not as gifted as a, uh athlete as the other three, but he, he runs hard. He's um, he's that type back that you put in when uh, uh, you got a third-quarter lead and you just want to to kind of milk the clock away. He's going to pound the rock. And uh, and the fifth back is Kenny McIntosh. He's a freshman. Uh, didn't really know much about him until last week, and he kind of bursted on the scene last week. And I think yeah. he ran for 70-something yards last week. So, you know, that, that backfield is, is full, and I think James Coley has done a great job of just mixing around um, the personnel to get each, to get the ball in each of their hands. We have seen the ball spread out pretty evenly amongst those guys in the early going. You know, it's been kind of blowout after blowout for Georgia in the early going of the season. As this thing cranks up and we have a team like Notre Dame come in, and as we see the season wear along, of course it's going to be DeAndre Swift getting a bunch of carries. Uh, but do you see this kind of trimming down to maybe two or three guys in that backfield? And who might those guys be if it does trim down that way? Well, that's hard to say because James Cook's used in a, in a different role. Sure. So, I mean, he, he like while he's your third or fourth back, he's going to see more playing time than a you know a guy like Kenny McIntosh, or pro- probably even Zamir White. Um, I think right now you have uh, DeAndre Swift and Brian Harrion as your top two backs. Um, Zamir White is probably going to. Zamir White and Brian Harry is probably going to receive, you know, six to seven carries a game apiece. But you're going to see DeAndre Swift uh, get upwards about 15, 16 carries a game. So I think you're going to see uh, kind of the two and three guys uh, split those carries uh, amongst the, what the normal two guy would have uh, a carried in the past. And you're going to see the number one guy, uh, DeAndre Swift, get his normal load of, you know, 15, 18 carries a game. 
Now you're looking at a Georgia team that offensively, with all these guys in the backfield, they're averaging about 300 rushing yards per game. And conversely, on the other side, they're going up against a Notre Dame defense that's ranked 120th nationally in allowing rushing yards per game. Is this kind of the biggest advantage that you look at with this Georgia team going into Saturday against the Fighting Irish? I think that Georgia has an advantage there. But the one thing I also look at is the, the first the first two games Notre Dame played, it was against the dual threat quarterback. So they were, you know, the defensive end was having to hold back uh, on those read option type plays. Mm. But, you know, Georgia does run a lot of RPO stuff. So uh, uh, that defensive end is still going to have to hang back a bit. Uh, I think Notre Dame struggles in the middle. But I think uh, what Georgia's really going to be able to exploit this defense is uh, speed um, because the linebackers for Notre Dame really, I mean, they haven't shown the ability to cover sideline to sideline. And, uh, and, and that's where Georgia's really, uh, what really, they were, uh, what they've really done, what they haven't done in the past, more in the past under James, Ch- uh, Jim Chaney, they've been more of between the tackle, between the tackle, pound the rock, pound the rock. Um, this year's team has been more shotgun. Uh, it's been more, um, outside off tackle run speed sweeps in the rounds uh trying to take advantage of that speed and i think that's where uh that's where that's going to exploit notre dame because i don't think notre dame's linebackers can keep up with that speed from georgia it's been well documented in the offseason heading into this year georgia lost a bunch of receivers off of their team uh, last year and now they come into this season a bunch of fresh faces they've spread the ball around pretty evenly they've even given the backs uh, some passes but as you look at this receiving core what should people expect as we head into Saturday and have a real big time opponent uh, where maybe the game plan is going to be a little bit more emphasized to a couple of guys I think in the past George has had a lot of roll top receivers um, you had like Javon Wilms a couple of years ago who was more of a jump ball type guy he could high point it very well. Then you had McCole Hardman, and McCole Hardman's probably been the most explosive wide receiver they've had under uh, Kirby Smart. But then you had like Terry Godwin was more of a, a roll guy possession type receiver. I think with these young guys, you really have guys that are potential first and second round draft picks, um, like Dominic Blaylock, uh, George Pickens. They're true freshmen. They're more talented than the guys that George has had in the past. They're not as uh, – you know, game ready, you know, they're, they're, they're freshmen, they're true freshmen. So I think that is something to watch how, how the atmosphere gets to them. How does the environment get to them? Cause they ain't never played in anything like this, but I think, you know, I, th- I think the wide receiver core as a whole is better, but more gifted than it has been in the past. And, and, and that's something that Georgia fans have to look forward to. Now you mentioned a couple of their names. Is there one guy that you could kind of bet on right now as the season goes on that might be Jake Fromm's go-to receiver? I think you got to look at George Pickens. Uh, he's six four. He was a five star recruit out of Alabama. If you remember Justin Ross, play he plays for he plays for Clemson right now. He was a yep. five star receiver out of Alabama, and uh, both of those guys have left the state of Alabama the last two years and gone to Clemson and Georgia. I think he's your go to guy moving forward. I mean, he is. Uh, he he's got good speed, uh, good jumping ability, uh, high points the ball like Javon Williams, but has uh, better speed. More explosive. I think. I think that is your go-to guy. Uh, Dominic Blaylock, the other freshman I mentioned, is more of a slot guy, and that's who they. Get, that's where they got Demetrius Robertson playing also, and he's he's another name to watch because I think he leads Georgia, or he, coming into this past Saturday, he led Georgia in yards and touchdowns. So I think those three guys are the three guys you have to watch um, 
moving forward this season. And you mentioned George Pickens. I mean, my goodness, I think everybody in college football has seen what he did in the spring game. Uh, you know, the highlight reel catches that he's made. And I've heard of a couple more that he's made here early this season. Uh, I haven't seen them myself, but uh, is he somebody to watch just from that wow factor of something that he can display on the field? Oh, yeah. I mean, he's got that um... – I'm not comparing him to AJ Green or Julio Jones, but he is that type of player. Um, he can he can really uh, go get it. He's, he's he's got excellent hands. I mean he he can he can snag a ball one hand out of there. Um, he he's just he's just that you know that type dog that you want on the field. And uh, uh, you know I think he's the one. He is that one guy that you have to be aware of where he's at on the field because you cannot. And he's been single coverage several times this year because people don't know uh what his ability is what but he you you, you can't single coverage you got to have something over the top you got to you got to be aware of where he's out on the field as we look at the defensive side of the ball for Georgia heading into this one they have some familiar faces coming back of course they lost some of the stars from last season uh, but they're going to face a quarterback in Ian Book who can throw the ball he can also run with his legs uh, is he really going to be the key to focus in on for this Georgia defense and what they try to stop coming from Notre Dame I mean, you, you, you always got to be. Uh, I think you got to be aware of Notre Dame's best player on offense, and I think that's Ian Book. Um, the one thing that you know Georgia has done well this year is get after the passer. Um, they have uh, they had forty uh, through two games this year. They had forty six QB pressures. Mm. Um, I mean, that's unreal coming off a year where they they were one of the you know the SEC's worst of getting quarterback pressure. And uh, this year has been a completely different story. You know, they got a new defense coordinator, uh, Dan Lanning, as Mel Tucker went to be the head coach at Colorado. Um, they've they've really emphasized havoc, havoc, creating havoc on the uh, defense side of the ball. And it, that is sacks, tackles for loss, forced fumbles, interceptions. Um, and, and they've done a good job of that, Uh I think I think you have to be aware of, of where Ian Book is, but I think they just got to play their game, um, keep doing what they're doing, keep getting pressure, uh, defensive line, keep plugging the holes, linebackers are playing well in coverage. I think I think they just got to keep playing the way they have been, um, and you know Ian Book's got to be on their minds, but I think they just got to keep playing their you know their base style. Now, as Georgia comes into this one, they're a 14-point favorite is what I'm seeing right now. I've seen it at 13-and-a-half. I've seen it at 14 now. Uh, do you have a prediction for this game and kind of a final score you're looking at? You know, I've, I've said I've said this before the season. Uh, a couple people have asked me, and they're like, do you really believe that? I, I believe <laughs> this is Kirby Smart's best team yeah. he's had. You know, do you go back to 2017 – uh, Georgia was good, you know. They played for a national championship. They played Alabama in the national championship. But as a pure player-to-player uh, uh, -player on the roster, I think they're better. I think they're better wow. on defense. Um, I think they're better on the offensive line. I think they're better on the defensive line. I think that 14-point spread. Uh, a lot of people say that's too high. I don't. I don't think it's too high. I think Georgia wins this game by 17 or more points. I'm with you. Um, I th I, I'm looking at a 38-14 type game. Wow. Um, I, I just don't believe uh, Notre Dame. Notre Dame struggled struggled to run the ball. You're not going to pass the ball uh, successfully if you've got to pass the ball 30 times. You're not going. You're not going to be successful against Georgia with Eric Stokes and Tyson Campbell and DJ Daniel and all those guys in the secondary. So they're going to have to find a running game, and I'm just not sure they're going to be able to do that with the with the way Georgia's defensive line has uh, dominated up to this point. 
Well, I tell you, Trent, it's something to hear you talk about this Georgia team being better maybe than the 2017 version. Because, you know, you go back, the comparisons are that 2017 team's coming off a year in which, you know, they were trying to figure things out under Kirby Smart, and they were really trying to figure out how to work with Jake Fromm as their quarterback in the early going of that season before they really turned into a threat for the national championship. So it is going to be fun to watch this team. So I'm kind of guessing now, you're talking about this Georgia team beating Notre Dame by something like 24 points on Saturday and you're talking about this being the best edition of a Kirby Smart team yet in Athens Uh, does that mean that you have this team projected for the college football playoff and uh, maybe something more than that I think that's expectations I think that's the ultimate goal it all it all comes down to can you get over the hump against Alabama and I think that's totally from I think that's total mental standpoint you know Georgia's had them you know on the ropes really beat the last two seasons, and I think that's what it all comes down to. Now, with that being said, I think there's a chance, you know, Georgia, Alabama both go to Atlanta undefeated, and both of them make it. But uh, right now, I think it would be a disappointment if Georgia, uh, from from Georgia's side, if they did not make the college football playoffs because because of the um, the caliber of team that they're putting on the field. Now, now two thousand, I say that that this team I believe is better than that 2017 team. But the thing you have to look at is that 2017 team was, had excellent leaders on both sides of the ball. Kids that came back for their senior seasons, Nick Chubb, Sony Michelle, Davin Bellamy, Lorenzo Carter, those guys. Hmm. So you're going to have to have that, uh, that leadership stand up. Uh, you know, when, when Georgia hasn't been tested yet, when you, when you start getting tested, they got to, they got to have some leadership show up. Um, I think that'll be a key in, in, in winning that big game. But uh, from overall, overall um, team, uh, player for player, I think Georgia's better than that team. And uh, and I think the expectations are to go to the college football playoffs. Just kind of spitballing here. I know you said it's kind of down to Georgia and Alabama, especially in the SEC championship game. Uh, any thoughts on your mind about what LSU could do contending in the West with Alabama? You know, I've watched LSU play. The offense has been explosive. One thing I think that could hurt LSU um, down the line is is the running game. They have to be able to develop a running game. To uh, if you're going to beat Georgia and Alabama, eventually you're going to have to to get somewhat of a running game. They're like 110th in the country in rushing or something like that in, in attempts and, and average yards per carry and, and all that stuff. So I think. Uh, offensive, you know, they look explosive. They, they, I love the passing game. They're going to have to find a running game if uh, if they're going to beat Alabama this season. Now, one last question I've got for you. It's been the last few years. You are the recruiting analyst for UGASports.com. Uh, you followed Kirby Smart and everything that's been going on with this program. With a game like this weekend coming down and Notre Dame coming down between the hedges, what is the recruiting scene going to look like for the Bulldogs as they hit this game on Saturday? Oh, it's unbelievable. They are uh, – I don't know if you're aware, but Georgia's bringing in 500 extra seats just for this game. Wow. And uh, and it's simply to call to say that it's the, the largest, the biggest game in school history, the, the most fans in that stadium in school history. And, and I think we, we have a list running that over at our website at UGA Sports, and I think we're up around 75 prospects. And these ain't, these ain't prospects just – you know, no name prospects. They're they're big time prospects. I think you know you'll run around eight to ten five stars on campus. Wow! So that that is going to be a game uh, uh, that every recruit wants to be at, and and every one of them that has the ability to be there, I think they're going to be there. 
Trent, you're the best. I appreciate you coming on, and I look forward to having you again sometime this season. You know, for me, I've got to say, I'm with you. I projected early before the season started that Georgia's going to be in the playoff as well, and a lot of it comes from my conversations from you from last year. I just think that this team has so much going for it offensively, and now, especially after seeing the defense in the first few weeks of the season, uh, I really do believe that this team is going to be in the college football playoff. So I'm looking forward to it, and uh, if you're willing to, I'd love to have you back on sometime later in the season, especially if things work out the way we're thinking. Yeah, man, I'd love to. Thanks for having me. All right, Trent, I really appreciate it. Have a great day, and uh, we'll talk to you again sometime soon. All right, thank you. Man, it is always a treat to have Trent Smallwood on the show. He gives you so much good information about this Bulldogs team. And really, you know, there aren't a lot of people that can kind of give the insight that he can just because he is the recruiting analyst for the Bulldogs at UGASports.com. Think about it. He's seen a lot of these guys that Georgia has on their team. Think about it. If they're juniors or seniors on the team, Trent's been looking at them for probably, you know, the last six, seven years. He's known about these guys for a long time. He knows about all their skill sets, all their abilities, what they offer the team and what they lack. Uh, So he can offer you the insight into Georgia Bulldogs football in a way that just not many other people can. And man, how about that projection? 38-14, to Georgia over Notre Dame. I kind of figured going into that conversation that he was going to be confident about the Bulldogs' chances, but I didn't anticipate Trent would say that Georgia would win this game by 24 points. Is that possible? Yeah, I think it probably is, but I'll go a little bit more conservative with my pick. I'll go with the Bulldogs on their home field, 34-17 over the Irish. And if you've got your own gut feel for how this game's going to go, be sure you jump on the College Football Forum on bellyupsports.com and check out the game of the week featuring Georgia and Notre Dame. Get on there, project a winner, a.k.a. Georgia, and project a final score. If you're right, you get a free t-shirt out of the Belly Up Sports shop. The only thing you may run into is if multiple people get the winner and the score right, everybody's thrown into a hat, and one name will be drawn to get the free t-shirt. All right, everybody, make sure you go and enjoy that college football this weekend. It is going to be a treat. And I hope you'll join me next week when I have Eric Bailey from Tulsa World Media Company on. He's the beat reporter for the Oklahoma Sooners there, and he'll help me preview Oklahoma and Texas Tech as we head into week five. Until then, I'm Thomas Black, your host, and as you work your way through the weekend with any comments, questions, rants, or raves that you might have, go ahead and make sure you give my blackmail a call, 706-406-3566, and next week, it'll be featured here on The Blackout. (laughs) 